0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the
0: world, George's Fox.
1: Welcome back to George's Box. I'm JJ. I'm Nick. And it's a shitty day to be a Yankee fan. Like, let's just be honest. It's six o'clock on on Tuesday, and being a Yankee fan fucking sucks. This is the worst week to be a Yankee fan since what would you say? 2013. I think it's 2014. I think it's worse. I don't think that there is a time that this stretch of baseball like has been worse than since like 1992.
2: You're going back to '92. I'm
1: talking. I was Danny, born in
2: '92. <laughs> I'm
1: talking Danny Tartable, You know Mel Hall, the worst Yankees that there have ever been. Like this is, it's just it's embarrassing. It I, I just as a Yankee fan, it's so tough to watch. It's like, and we do we're we're cutters at this point, just watching it <laughs> unravel. I, I feel like a
2: masochist. And the first year that I can really remember watching was you know, 2000. So 2013, 2014, those were the worst for me. But I was in college. I was partying. I had other things going on. So it wasn't as big of a deal. This is this is horrendous. Um, and I'm coming to you from Ocean City, New Jersey. I'm on vacation here with my family and the Yankees are, are kind of ruining the vacation. Um, I'm actually sitting here with my dad and we have a little system going where you know if they play a day game, we'll bring the speaker on the beach, listen to John and Susan, and if they have a night game, uh, we watch it. And they've pretty much lost every game that we've been here. I got here about five minutes before Pete Alonzo walked off on us on Thursday <laughs> night, so that's how it got started. The doubleheader with the Orioles Friday was miserable. That whole series, um, everything's everything's pretty much been miserable. But you know we're. We're a podcast. We don't have a lot of guests on, but figured since I was here with my dad, we'd, we'd bring him on for a second um, and ask him a question. So my question to you is, you know, you've been watching the Yankees for a lot longer than me. Um, you kind of saw the end of end of Mantle all through, you know, Reggie, obviously the 90s dynasty. So you've seen, seen a lot of teams, and obviously this team sucks. It hasn't been fun, and there have been a myriad of issues, but if you could kind of pinpoint – one factor, whether it's a position group, a person, a philosophy, in terms of what is most responsible for this mess, uh, what do you think it would be?
3: Thanks, Nick. Um, so, how you doing, Jack? Good. Um, so, I wanted. I think the first thing that you know jumps out at me is that I think the team was severely overrated going into the season. I mean, they were the Vegas favorites. They were going to be in the World Series. It was a given. It was a lock. And I never really felt that way. I looked at their pitching staff, and after Garrett Cole, I saw, you know, Masahiro Tanaka, who's essentially been a 500 pitcher for seven years, and has a 4 ERA and has done decently in selected playoff games. But when you're making that kind of money, shouldn't you do decently in selected playoff games? I saw J. Happ, who's J. Happ. I saw Jordan Montgomery, who hasn't pitched in a year and a half, and clearly is turning into another Scott Kamenicki or Ian Kennedy. He can't even go four innings without running out of gas, and they lost Sevi, and Paxton had back surgery. So anybody who was optimistic and thought they had a wipeout rotation, I don't know what they were smoking, but I never got that impression about them. And I also think, and I'm sorry, did you want to say something? (laughs) Yeah, no.
1: um, In terms of the the rotation, I totally agree. I love everything you're saying. We got to hang out more often, Um, especially the Tanaka stuff. Did you, and maybe this is what you're getting at. I feel like I knew that our rotation wasn't going to be great, but we were a six run lineup every day. And I thought that would carry us.
3: Yeah. And I think to a point, we all kind of hoped that. But I think if you think about like backups doing really, really well, last year we got extremely lucky. Guys like Talkman and Mike Ford. You know Gardner had almost a career year. What he have twenty eight homers? I mean, these guys played off the charts last year. I think coming into this year, believing that they would somehow approach those numbers a second year in a row, I think playing every day, they've ex- they've been exposed for who they are. They're mediocre players. Gardner's really at the obviously at the end of his career. And I also think that, a couple of moves that they didn't make over the winter are really coming back to haunt them. Which at the time people kind of you know didn't make a big deal. I think not signing Didi was a big mistake. I I thought that at the time, and I think not signing Romine again was a big mistake. And now you're seeing between Sanchez, who hits about as well as I would in in the current situation that he's in, and being backed up by a guy like Higashioka, who looks like a little league player at the plate. I mean, these guys are not major league hitters. And I think we gave up two really, really valuable players for not a lot of money to save a little bit of money. And I think that's really come back to hurt us. And now when you've got a middle infield with Tyro Estrada and Tyler Wade, and it's a joke as far as I'm concerned. And I think we're—I just think we came into the season really cocky. We had Garrett Cole. We were going to walk all over everybody. And now we look like a bunch of idiots. I love it.
1: I love everything you're saying. can i Can I ask you some personal questions because Nick can't hear me? Sure. <laughs> so like, are you a psycho like your son? Like when it comes to the Yankees, your son is an absolute psychopath. Or, does he get that from you?
3: Well, he he certainly inherited that craziness from me and that passion from me, and we both go into severe depressions when they lose, and we're we're you know we're unrealistically excited about our lives when they win. So, I mean, I, I think that trait certainly has rubbed off. He's, you know, he's more into the day-to-day minutiae of the, of the game than I am at this point just because I don't have the time and the, and the attention span to focus on it. But, yeah, I've been a, I've been a Yankee freak since I was about nine years old, and they, they finished in last place, which was 1966, and I've been following them ever since pretty pretty rabidly. So- yeah.
1: You you live outside the Philly area. Are you originally from there, or are you originally from New York?
3: No, I grew up on Long Island, and and I was a hometown Yankee fan, you know, until I went away to college, and then I ended up moving to Philly, and that's how Nick ended up in Philly.
1: Okay, because I live in Philly too. Yep. But I'm born and raised in the Bronx, mm-hmm. and I have a daughter, and I'm you know daughter son going to treat them equally when it comes to sports in terms of like you have to be a you know a big Yankee fan because what else do i really care that much about right um do you have any tips for me of raising a yankee fan in the philly area like is there ever the pressure from just like uh, friends at school you know the, hey i want to be a phillies fan like you know jimmy down the block
3: <laughs> well i think the first thing is you cannot root for more than one team i mean i grew up in new york where everybody was either a yankee fan or a met fan you were a giants fan or a jets fan uh, Knicks are in Nets. Rangers are Islanders. You can't root for more than one team and have, your, and have your heart fully in it. So what I would tell you is when you're raising your kids, it's not cool to say, oh, the Phillies are on. We can watch them tonight instead of the Yankees. Like, the Yanks are on. That's it. End of conversation. You want to watch the Phillies? Go hide in your room and, and, and go online and watch it. But we're watching the Yankees because the Yankees are the most important team in baseball.
1: All right. A little line in the sand. I like it. I like it a lot. Um yeah, I think we see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. I, I don't necessarily think D at fourteen million was great. I think Romine to just you know, what we have out there at this point. There's times where I'm saying like, I don't know, is DHing for the pitcher the right move here? Maybe we could DH for Higgy or even Gardner at times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I appreciate you giving us uh giving us some insight, a little veteran insight into this team and you know i know we're supposed to go to opening day together i hope to have a a drink with you at a game at some point soon or two yeah well or (laughs) 10
3: all right i'm going to turn it back over to nick all right thank you so much all right bye -bye. Uh,
1: do you feel like you have a little more insight on me now (laughs) yo i so we normally have video up. You don't You don't have video up because, I, I don't know, we just can't figure it out, and yeah. it's not worth the time for this fucking team. I have never seen your dad. I have never met your dad. On voice alone, that's 100% your dad. You guys I, I have, can't confirm. <laughs> you have the same inflection in the way you talk. Like It was kind of, at first, when he introduced himself to me before we were even recording, uh, I was just like, I wasn't sure if it was you. So that's funny. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I caught some of that. I couldn't hear you. But I mean, we can just just start with the rotation. Right. I mean, that was kind of the first thing I heard. And I think he made a good point, And I think we were all overconfident about that rotation. Tanaka was coming off the good postseason. You know, people are comparing Jordan Montgomery to Andy Pettit, which is totally asinine. And I, I think that's kind of where that's kind of where this starts. Right.
1: Well, I think, you know, if you talk about the year as a whole, I think going into spring training. We were still like, you know, I think we still had Seve at that point, right? We were, Paxson, the outlook still, you know, looked all right. He was going to miss a little time, but he'd be all right. And so if you have Cole, you have Seve, you have playoff Tanaka, Paxton figures it out. You could feel a little stronger than you should about this rotation. I think when we talk about the 60-game season, and as that was kicking off, I think we're all just hoping for something good. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone was being realistic about anything. I mean, we were talking. I I don't know if you even sitting here in September believe that you're not going to go to a game this year. Like, we all have like this little bit of crazy hope when it comes to especially the Yankees that, yeah, I think we just kind of overshot it. We did, and the other thing I think is that we figured
2: Tanaka and Paxton going into the free agent years that they were both going to be money, and Tanaka has been solid, but the one thing we didn't talk about is that Paxton's been on the DL every year, literally every year that he's been in the league, so to kind of count on him to be a stud was probably a little misleading, but I remember the first time... When you had me on George's box for that audition, and the first thing I said was, "You, know, you said what's the, your one worry?" and I said, "We're a hamstring away from Tyler Wade every day," and you've seen. I heard my dad talking about Dee. Dee.
1: You're, you know, we're seeing that. We've seen that all season. Yeah. No. I mean, I think about that every day when I see the lineup. <laughs> we're a hamstring away from Ty- Tyler Wade being the short, st- the starting shortstop of the New York Yankees, and yeah, obviously Glaber's back. He's had a hard time getting things going this year. You know, especially we looked at last year where everything was falling in the right place. I think it's the same thing uh, that we saw in 2017 where, like, everything just kind of worked out and we ended up getting really close that we came into 2018 and said, hey, you know, we're going to be fine. We're going to be right back in the World Series. Go and get our teeth kicked in. I think we feel a little too comfortable with the when our players perform well, and we look at a guy like Labor who hits 38 home runs as a shortstop last year. And when you take Stanton, who really wasn't in the lineup last year, and you take Judge, who missed sometime last year but is pretty much missing this whole year, out of that lineup, now you've got a lot more pressure on a young guy to hit 30, you know, the equivalent of 30 something home runs in a 60 game season. And that's how you end up with a guy injured hitting 233 with one home run.
2: Yeah, and you can see Glaber pressing. And one thing I'm seeing a lot of on Twitter is uh, like the 60 game season excuse, right? Like, well, it's not a real season anyway, and, and maybe it's not. But every team is dealing with COVID. Every team's dealing with with everything. The, the weirdness of this. So. You know, other teams are going out there and they're competing. The Rays aren't making excuses about COVID. Now the Blue Jays are ahead of us. They're not making excuses. So I, I don't want to hear that, man. We have the highest payroll. And even with the guys that are out there, this should still be enough to win games. It's not like we have that many reinforcements coming back. It's basically
1: Judge and Stanton, and this is what we have. It's Judge and Stanton, like, hopefully. Yeah. You know, we, we're. it's not even – I don't think anyone feels like we're at a point where it's like, hey, these guys are a week away, because Stanton was going to be back, what, last Sunday? Yeah, let's do this. Let's just, let's you, just
2: unload on Stan for a second.
1: <laughs> all right, and I've been like a big Stanton defender for a long time, and, yeah, I mean, I just, when I see Cashman say he's doing everything involved in playing in a baseball game, and then some, because they're talking about him out throwing and fielding, which we don't need him to do at all. Right. What are you throwing for? <laughs> Don't do anything. Don't do any, any throwing, any defense. Burn your glove. These,
2: these updates are making it worse. When I see the update that he's running the bases at 80% on the practice field or whatever, and I watch this guy jog 50% in games on every ground ball, like the guy doesn't need to sprint in games. He hasn't sprinted at all. He jogs. Why does he need to get to a point where he's sprinting? He's hitting off the high-velocity machine at 100 miles an hour. He's jogging, running, whatever. Dude, get your ass in there. Take four at-bats a game and take a couple of swings. It's, it's utterly ridiculous that he's not there. It really is.
1: It's crazy that it's not only that he's not there, but also no timetable. Just absolutely no timetable at all. And I tweeted yesterday and ended up picking up a little bit of steam that, like, could you imagine this in any other job? Vinny is, he's making dough, he's making sauce, he's shredding cheese. We don't know when he can make pizza again.
2: It's insane. No, it is ridiculous, and especially with where the team is. I mean, last year, guys were slow coming back, but we didn't care. I mean, we were nine, ten games up in July and August. That division was wrapped up at the All-Star break, so nobody really cared. But now that we're clinging to a playoff spot, you know, why can't Cashman say to Giancarlo, look, man, we need you to you know, take an Advil or or a painkiller, go out there and DH a little bit. Even if he's not 100%, his presence alone, you know, it scares the pitcher. It protects everybody else. I mean, if we fall out of the playoffs with him just chilling and not playing, I, that would be such a blunder. And these videos that the Yes Network is putting out of him prancing around on the field and skipping or hopping—it's so embarrassing.
1: Yeah. So they played those. You texted me about those, and I had—I guess I—I I missed it. I was getting water or something, and I thought it was like there are on MLB TV they have like these interstitial videos, and like one of them is just like career highlights of Stanton. That like I think Nike pays for, and just like what do like read a room one time for me? Yeah, awful. Uh,
2: Don't need to see those videos, and don't even tell us about don't even tell us about the updates. I mean Torres, think about this. Torres strained his hamstring and his quad, and came back in two weeks, and we're coming up on five weeks with Stanton, who only strained his hamstring, and it was a grade one, supposed to be the most mild strain, and we're gonna pick on him because. For some reason, it looks worse with him. Like, all the other guys, you feel like they're trying to come back, they're trying to get out there, and they're making an effort with him.
1: It's like, what are you doing, dude? Well, it's just, well, it's obviously the paycheck plays a huge role, but it's looking at last year and saying, when you, you play, you know, eight games in a season, what the hell, you know, you had this extended off season, and now you can't come back and just be healthy, and it's more as just soft tissue lower half of the body bullshit, where, it, you know, at a certain point, people just go, well, you just don't give a shit. You know, you don't care to be here because, and I know, I keep going back to Paul O'Neill playing 138 games at 38 years old with one hamstring, and, I don't know, you look at the calendar, you go, all right, there's 19 games left, we are sitting, what, two games behind the Toronto Buffalo Blue Jays, from being at least in a fifth seed instead of being in the eighth seed, hey, boon. I've got some at-bats. Even if they came back, if they just said, like, listen, yo, he's at 80%. He can play every other day or two out of every three days. Like, tell us that in advance. At least it seems like he gives a shit then. Exactly. And these updates aren't
2: doing him any favors with the fans. And you knew fans were going to be tough on him as soon as he got here. Just like it was with A Rod, and, and he's almost become the symbol for the Yankees, which is like, you know, the good looking, popular kid that doesn't think he needs to try, right? And just shows up and plays quarterback and has a ton of friends in high school and don't try. And then, like, the Rays are like that little runt kid that's uh, hustling its balls off and making the team. And, and, and I feel like that's kind of what the Yankees have is popular kid syndrome. And I think Paul O'Neill said it. At some point, they need to realize you can't just show up and win, like, they're not just going give to you, give you the game for showing up, and they just seem very entitled as a group, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's shifted from us just getting everyone's best punch to, like, the Rays are a good baseball team. The Blue Jays are a better baseball team than the Yankees right now. So for the Blue Jays, like, yesterday wasn't a, you know, hey, let's give them our best punch. Like, if I'm the Toronto Blue Jays, approaching Tuesday, approaching Wednesday against the Yankees – these are games that we're supposed to win if I'm the Blue Jays. That's just got to be the mentality. We're the better team. We're supposed to beat up on this bad team. I don't care about how many hundreds of millions of dollars are on their, play, uh, their you know, IL. I don't care how many MVPs are on the IL. I don't care how many hypothetical goal, gold glove right fielders are on the IL. We're going to go out and we're going to beat this team because we're better than the New York Yankees right now.
2: I absolutely think they're thinking that. And think about this, they're they're, face, they're facing Hap. I mean, Vladdy Jr. and Telez and all those guys, they're probably licking their chops and Biggio thinking about facing Hap. I'm sure they're confident. They're at home. They don't have to face Tanaka or Cole this series. I don't even know if that would matter, but I'm sure they're confident the standings say they're better. I mean, Vlad Jr. stealing on Adovino. I mean, they are they are running all over us. They're, they're hitting all over us. And we'll talk about that 10-run inning in a second. But our high-leverage relievers... All four of them look totally fucking lost.
1: No idea what they're – like, no idea where they're putting the ball, getting behind in counts, having to claw their way back, and then just leaving a slider fucking dick down the middle. Awful.
2: I I mean, Green has been mostly good this year, so it's one thing – Adam Adovino, dude – your body language is dog shit. He's sulking around the mound, frowning. He's got his head down. You know, he's, were they complaining about the lights or the signs? Like, You cannot come into a game up four face six guys and get nobody out. I don't care where, who you're playing, how good you think your slider is. That was probably the most pathetic relief performance I think I've ever seen, ever, right? It was
1: not what you expect from a guy who... Came here on you know a pretty big contract, you know nine million dollars a year for a middle reliever. Local boy makes good. Grew up a Yankee fan. Has his you know mound in Harlem that he pit you know he works at on the off season. And said going into free agency, I could strike Babe Ruth's fat ass out. I mean, <laughs> the dude's got nothing. Like I actually looked up and like last night I googled. To see, like, wait, is he? are we done with this guy after this year? Oh, we have another year of it. Because he legitimately may be a, places, a place where I just can't pitch in New York.
2: It might be. It might be. And he came from Colorado, and I believe in every single postseason appearance that he came in, he allowed a run, I, I want to say. Like, he did not have one shutdown playoff performance. He have no confidence in the guy. He, he doesn't even know where the ball's going. Like, he doesn't have a straight fastball. So every pitch, you have no idea if it's going to be a strike. He walks a ton of people. He He's basically a righty-only, like, roogie specialist at this point. He, he can't throw to lefties at all. And for Boone to come out and say, oh, you know, I thought the stuff was good. I, I cannot hear Aaron Boone tell me that something was good after a loss again, or I'm going to blow my fucking brains out.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you can't even just, like, it's just like, I'm almost like I'm speechless at listening to the bullshit that they're spewing at us in terms of just like, oh, yeah, you know, these guys are going to be all right. And I do wonder, because, like, he made it to the postseason, uh, you know, with Colorado the year before we got him, and he didn't pitch great in his, like, first appearance there. He did a little better in the second round. But, like, he gave up a home run last year in the playoffs after having, uh, you know, was he lights out? At times, yeah. Hit a 1-9 ERA. And I wonder if it's like when Albert Pujols broke Lidge. Was that home run just like, he has not been the same person since then. He had a 1-9 ERA during the regular season last year. And now he's at almost an eight.
2: No, that's a great comparison. I believe in that. That was Game Two of the ALCS. I want to say they were up two one. We were up two one in the fifth, and it was Springer, and he. Oh my God, that ball was crushed like over the train tracks, probably in the same spot that Pujols hit off Lidge. And you're right, he hasn't been the same since. And then if you look at some of the nerd stats. On him, like you know, the analytics. Basically, his ERA, he kind of got lucky because he stranded. You know, he walked a lot of guys last year, and he but he was able to strand a lot of them. And now he's not stranding them, and he's still walking guys. He's been horrible. Um, you know, they let Robertson walk. They they made some decisions, and and Ottavino clearly clearly isn't it. And he's a gimmicky. He's like a gimmicky pitcher with with the frisbee slider. It's just not very reliable. Yeah, I think he,
1: you know. We were excited, we we're trying to get younger as a team, which you know, we knew we had to. So when you look at Robertson I mean Roberts hasn't uh Robertson hasn't pitched in I think was he pitched like twice for the Phillies? Yeah, right? he's
2: he's been a non factor. So
1: sure. yeah, you know, it's been a non factor, but at the same time, you know, as we're looking at a guy and saying like, All right, now you're thirty four, you're gonna be thirty five, you know, thirty or it's gonna be thirty six Next year, I mean, we might be approaching the end of the road for his career. I
2: think so. And, and how can you even have this guy be a high leverage guy? I'm ready to give Lasagna, you know, Loisaga his spot. I'd let Clark Schmidt. Have some of those high leverage spotlight, like, you know, your line of who wants to be a baseball player. It does not seem like Otto wants to, and and to compound things, Green obviously comes in and for some reason just just has nothing. He's walking guys. He never walks guys. Britain and and Chapman haven't been good either. We're supposed to have this lights lights out super pen, super bullpen or whatever, and they've all been shaky. Chapman's walking guys. Like all of a sudden, an area that was supposed to be our biggest strength, all of a sudden it's a huge question mark.
1: Well, I mean, if you look at the Monday night game, I mean, it was what we do to everyone else. Like, it is, hey, it doesn't really necessarily matter what happens in those first five innings. We just need to see enough pitches to get to your bullpen, and then we're going to beat you down. And that's what they did to us, because right now, we have a bad bullpen. Same as the Mets, same as, you know...
2: Oh, yeah, we we do. They they've been brutal and I think and I think me and you were both guilty of this. Like when Canely went down, the Yanks were on a roll. I think we were like fourteen and six and we we're like, eh, you know, guys will fill in, it'll be fine, but goddamn have we missed him.
1: I mean, we we miss so many people because you just look at our lineup on some days and I mean we've got LeMayhu playing out of position. Like, yeah, he's great, he could play anywhere in the infield except for you know probably not shortstop but if we really needed to and we could and this great you know even the great infield we have and the you know defensive prowess that we had at third base and we had at second base that helped possibly cover up a lack of defensive ability at shortstop at times is just is gone so like every part of our team on the field is just not good right now
2: you're right. Everybody, Everybody's playing poorly, and I think it was Cole that was talking about it. It's like, you know, the games that we get good starting pitching performances, the offense doesn't hit. And the games where we do get six or seven runs from the offense, like Monday night, the bullpen blows it. Like, we cannot put nine innings together. Honestly, it, it feels like we're never going to win again. Like, the idea of us scoring seven runs and allowing three or fewer and leading after nine innings just seems like a foreign concept to me right now.
1: The idea of just, yeah, like the idea that to a certain extent, if you go to enough games, you could beat the traffic in the eighth inning is out the window. <laughs> you know, if you've seen Chapman come in and pitch before, it's the same like, you know, if you've seen Mariano enough times, it's like, yeah, maybe I can beat traffic this time. Not anymore, because we're just going to cough that lead up. And if we cough a lead up, we have maybe enough at times to get back to being tied, but not to take the lead. And not to just run away with it. I mean, when we last recorded on Tuesday, and we don't try to go through like everything through the week that happened, we talked about like, hey, do we hop back on to talk about Chapman? And it was like, no, it should be like no big deal. We think it just got away from him. And now, on top of all this other stuff that's going on, we're still waiting on an appeal. Like we're still going to lose Chapman for games at some point.
2: Yes, and and you got to think, might as well just use him in any close situation and get some use out of him because if you don't use him you know, for two games or, and you're holding him out and then he misses another four, all of a sudden you lose him for six. So should be really aggressive with Chapman tonight, tomorrow, whenever. And I thought that raise mini fight or beef, I thought that would maybe spark them. And they come out the next night and Jordan Montgomery just gets fucking kicked in the balls. And I think he got one out or two outs and just totally rolls over. And, and they looked absolutely lifeless. You know, you thought maybe that could be a wake-up call. Like, maybe Kevin Cash woke them up and they've just been limp dick ever since.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, oh, hey, we're, you know, this happened. Our guys are now going to go out there and fight and, you know, possibly a literal fight. Like, I have connections through to Joey Wendell. And I was just like, I reached out to someone who, like, talks all the time. I was like, yo, can you tell him not to get his ass beat tonight? He's about (laughs) to. And instead, yeah, like you said, Montgomery goes out there gives up four uh, earned runs and gets two outs. So, like, that fight that, you know, we're looking for, the excitement of Graham Lloyd running out of the bullpen, or even, you know, in 2017, when Romine got in that fight and there was, like, the gif of the whole bullpen running out from the outfield, like, let's get some excitement, let's light something under, and it has been the exact opposite with us just going one and six against... Bad teams. Like, there's no other... Like, we are also a bad team, but losing to these bad teams is what made us a bad team. If you tell me that Kevin Cash is going to tell the... Straight up tell the media, I've got guys who are going to throw at the Yankees the next day. And we're going to go out there, we're going to kick the shit out of them. We've got the Mets, and we've got a lead going to Chapman. We obviously win that game. Maybe we lose one of the double headers against the Orioles because it's weird. We take the next two and we are rolling into Toronto after just going five and one instead of one and five. Like it's the exact opposite of what happened. And then with that, you would think let, like momentum, just being a better team at that point where our record would be. We're possibly in first place and we're going to kick the shit out of the Blue Jays. Now, I'd be surprised if we if we win a game in Buffalo.
2: I I would sign up for one, one of these next two in a heartbeat in that Orioles series. I mean, that was so pathetic. Even the game they won the first doubleheader, that that was extremely ugly. They had to grind just to win. I think they won six, five. Uh, They blew the lead in the second game. Cole. I mean, if you would have told me in the beginning of the year that Garrett Cole would lose a start to the Orioles, I would have cackled like a hyena. I, like, I still can't believe he lost. And then the next day, the offense, I think they scored one run on a crass. Fielder's choice, RBI. Every hitter's O two. 2 It was just pathetic, and you're right. These are games that you have to win. We were laughing about the September schedule when it came out in July. We were like, look, huh, we get to play the Blue Jays and the Marlins. It's going to be easy. And the Mets, and and they can't even beat the bad teams. So you can't beat the bad teams. How the hell are you going to beat the good teams in
1: the playoffs? Realistically, there is a, uh, a situation where we lose one or two of these Blue Jays games, and then we head into a four-game weekend series with the Baltimore Orioles, and we are at a deadlock for the last spot in the playoffs. Like, because right now we're only we're only two games up on them.
2: We're one we're we're and a half. Our playoff lives. Yeah, me and you were laughing about the eight team. The 18 playoffs. Why are they doing eight teams? We hated it; it was stupid. And now, all of a sudden, we, we might barely get in, even with them letting in everybody and their mothers. And you know, Cole's pitching Thursday against the Orioles, but like his starts don't even give me comfort anymore. I think they've lost three straight
1: Cole starts. I want to yeah. say. Yeah. It's uh. I mean, the call Cole, Cole's gonna figure it out. Because uh, you know, when it comes to Cole, you've got to think of the length of the contract and what we've seen from him before, and we, you know, we've laid out the positives. Something's just wrong with him, and I trust him to figure it out for the length of the contract. But in terms of, I mean, we have 19 games left. Yeah, I We're... like. What do you? I don't even know like what you do in 19 games to get this team right. Or, or are we just going to try to be the, hey, we snuck in as the eight seed, and now after getting beat up by the Rays, because like in football, it's tough to beat a team three times in a year. Like, have the Rays just beaten us so bad so many times that when we're playing in a neutral site like San Diego, we go out there and we just take two, and now we're just in the regular playoffs?
2: Yeah, it might. And look, you mentioned football. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and TV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Many of your local favorite restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. You mentioned a playoff series with the Rays. That sounds fucking terrifying. Morton, Snell, and Glass now.
1: <laughs> yeah, against God knows who. Cole Tanaka. I mean, maybe Garcia.
2: Right? Who's pitching that third game? Before we were like, oh Gumby, you know Montgomery's a solid three. He has been god awful. I don't want him going near a playoff start. I don't want Jay Happ going near a playoff start. So I, you got to think Davies in consideration for that
1: start. He's got to be. I mean, like it. it at that point, it's going to be who's got the hot hand. That's all it's going to be. It's going to be the nightmare that we have had in the playoffs the past couple of seasons where even if we get – I mean, we've gotten there in the last three years, and at least I felt good going into it. And then you realize after – I don't know, two, three games in general that, like, you know, our our divisional round series, we're always like, yeah, if this goes five, like, who the fuck's going to pitch? You know, the ALCS, we've seen, it gets to game six, and we've got green out there. This is, we're just going to know from the jump. Like, we're going out there, we're throwing this shit together, and... We're gonna. Ho- I mean, who knows? Maybe Paxton comes back at the end of the season, and he's got two good starts in him, and it's like, well, now he's in in play for it. Tanaka could fall into a black hole for all we know. Like the, I have no way to predict anything that's gonna happen with this team. You, you can, and look, we only
2: had we only had three starters last year. We didn't have a game four starter at all. The only reason Tanaka was able to pitch game four of the ALCS was because there was the rain out the night before, and we were involved with that, but you know, everybody has this blind faith in in playoff Tanaka, and I'm sorry, man. Me and you were up there sitting in 205 in a must-win game against the Astros, and he got his his doors blown off, so I don't have that that blind faith in playoff Tanaka that everybody does. I I like him. I I think he'll be okay, but I'm not penciling uh, Tanaka playoff start as an automatic win like other people do.
1: No, I mean, and just with the craziness of this season, I can't even trust who's going to be healthy because I, I our guys have done such a good job uh, of staying healthy from COVID. You know, a big thing was at a certain point, this is going to run through every team, and the league is making steps to, uh, you know, lock everyone down the last week of the season and then go to this bubble system. But, I mean, would it shock you at all, to find out that, I don't know, in a week, we lose like five guys to COVID? No, no, nothing would shock me. And and you
2: mentioned the lockdown and the bubble. I'll tell you right now, this bubble playoff situation does not help the Yankees. The Yankees play horrible on the West Coast. They play horrible in small ballparks. I mean, they kind of make a living. Their thing is, you know, look, let's face it, a lot of cheap home runs at Yankee Stadium, short porch jobs, whatever playing in big ballparks on the West Coast is the worst possible situation from a competitive advantage standpoint for the Yankees.
1: Yeah, I mean, and obviously the fans aren't going to be there, but you've pointed it out a bunch of times, and it makes a ton of sense that you want to sleep in your own bed, say hello to your own security guard. Um, You know, playoff game, you you play, especially this season that they've had where it's so many night games, and now all of a sudden you're playing – what is a night game at home, but it's a four o'clock game there, or maybe you're playing a 10 o'clock, you know. I was gonna say, we're going to have some get, late nights. <laughs> yeah, like I have no idea how they're going to, you know, counteract that and, you know, working with the shadows, whether it's, you know, at, at Petco or Chavez Ravine. Like, we just, we have no idea what to expect from what the playing situation is going to be, who's going to be healthy, how this is all gonna end up. And it, you know it makes it a lot easier to just say like, ah, oh, this season doesn't count. Like I've said all along, I don't think it's a World Series, but I know, but I hate giving these guys
2: cop outs, man. Every team is like I said, the Rays are dealing with the same shit and, and our guys just have no no fight. And it seems like especially with the relievers, like with Otto, with Green, with Britain, and especially with Chapman, like they don't have the same juice. Without the fans, like people like me and you, you know, banging on the seats and screaming and being drunk and, and kind of giving them that energy, like
1: it definitely seems like they are not the same without fans, our relievers specifically. And so, an interesting thing with, you know, Hat starting tonight, I've kind of I've done the math out, and he's going to end up one start short of a vesting option if everything just stays the same as it is. Like he pitched today, he'd pitch next Sunday. Then he'd pitch the Saturday after. Then he would pitch the um, uh, like the Thursday, and then there's the, the Marlins series. So we wouldn't see him again. So unless he can go out there, because I think he needs like 60 innings, something like that, unless he can go out there, I think it's 61. So he's got to find 26 innings out of four starts, which, I mean, we'd kind of love him to be in the position to do that, but – don't want him to do that because I don't want to deal with this for next season.
2: No, we do not have $17 million for him. And you know that Cashman looked at the calendar and said, all right, how can I get the most out of him without having to having to pay him next year? But they, they have so many problems. And in the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, you know, Hap's the only weak link, but they've all sucked. Like, I don't even know if, gun to my head, would I want Hap or would I want Montgomery, you know, in a big start? Like, they, they've all sucked.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least from an experience standpoint, way to talk, Jack. You probably want Hap, and like the biggest thing that we have going for us right now, as a team, if we're being honest, the best thing we have going for us as a team is that Eric Kratz is a really nice guy. Yeah, no, <laughs> like that. Right. Like, what good happened to the, for the Yankees this week? Eric Kratz, really good guy, looks out for minority ballplayers who are in a scary new place, like.
2: It's a nice story. Can he manage yeah,
1: think,
2: the team? Seriously. So let, let's let's jump into that. And our question. We did have a question this week uh, from Marcus here, um, who who DM'd me and basically said, you know, if the Yankees don't make the playoffs, if we somehow don't make a sixty-game eighteen playoff, is Boone going to get fired? I I think Cashman will keep him regardless. But I think we have
1: to talk about it. I think that. Boone, if we miss the playoffs, Boone is still safe unless someone else who, like, is a perfect fit or someone maybe Boone's had an eye on, or, I'm sorry, Cashman's had an eye on for a while, becomes available. It's one of those things where, like, you're only as faithful as your next best option. And I think, you know, Mattingly either got extended or he's staying there. Uh, you know, I think we do need to find either a way for Boone to get tougher or find someone else who can be tough enough on these guys because there is a certain point where I just I need a manager who's gonna start calling people a pussy.
2: no, we definitely need that, and look Aaron Boone missing the playoffs in an expanded playoff year with this group. For me, it's the equivalent of like a trust fund kid who's going to college, whose dad has a job waiting for him, and he's like, all you need to do is graduate college and get a degree. doesn't matter what your grades are. You know, here, here's a credit card. Like all you have to do is make it through the four years and graduate and can't even fucking do it. Like the bar is so low. Everything is set up for this guy to succeed. And, you know, he's, he's pissing on our leg and telling us it's raining. And, look, Girardi was, the guy, Girardi was the military sergeant, and Boone is, like, the 16-year-old older brother that, like, buys you beer and is cool. And maybe
1: not even beer. Like, buys middle. you, like, Mike's hard. <laughs> Mad dog? He's a, no, no, that's too tough. He's, like, a Zima guy.
2: Maybe we need something in the middle, man, because, like, this is not working. And I don't believe in, like, the Tom Coughlin, like, super hardo. but Boone is just like, dude – we just say we fucking suck right now.
1: There is a there is a part of me who, that is like, you know what? I need a manager who's going to get dragged in the media because he said something that hurts someone's feelings. Like, I can survive that. Let's get, you know, oh, uh, he called me a pussy because I my hamstring. Like, great. Put that in the post. At least I know someone gives a shit.
2: Yeah, or flip over the fucking buffet table. Like, do something, man. And he was, like, kind of sulking around last night. It seems like he's just actively trying to put up the positive front, and I, I know that's a stick, California cool, whatever the case may be, but it's clearly not working, and they, and they don't seem, the players don't seem motivated at all.
1: No, I mean, there's no, forget, like, motivated to even, like, play well. They don't seem motivated to play. <laughs> I mean, with all these soft tissue injuries, you're just like, do any of you guys even want to be here? You have to ask
2: it. It's very fair. And look, it all starts. It all starts from the top. The problem for me with Boone is, I don't think Cashman is going to evaluate him on record or the team. I think Cashman evaluates him on how well he listens. You know, Cashman tells him who to play. Cashman tells him who to rest. Cashman tells him what to wear. Like everything, you know, he is a puppet. We've both kind of talked about that. So. I think they could lose every game from here on out and Cashman will still bring him back. And I think part of the reason Girardi is in here is Girardi pushed back a lot. And Cashman, you know, like a lot of managers or a lot of people high up, wanted somebody under him that wasn't going to question him.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Girardi situation just boiled down to, you know, from everyone I've talked to who was involved in those talks is it's me or him. Cashman said that. It's either me or him. I want it to go my way. He pushes back too much. We can't have, you know, two captains steering the ship. And you've got to pick one. And we made a choice. Do I think we made the right choice? Yeah. I think it was time for Girardi to move on. I don't think what Girardi, uh, the way Girardi managed, would work with this young core that is now, you know, not as old. Uh, You know, I could see Boone getting, I mean, he came here on a three-year deal. So he's probably going to ask for at least another three-year deal. But the good thing about Boone's contract, if it's structured the same way, is it really wasn't that crazy if we just wanted to, like, walk away from it because he yeah. doesn't make a ton of money.
2: I'm pretty sure he makes under a million a year, and they have a – so it's a three-year deal. We're in year three, but they have a – there's a team option for the oh, team, there which, is. which I'm sure they'll pick up, but that will kind of leave him as a lame duck, I would think you know, for the 21
1: season going into 22, but. But that's the job. I mean, when you get involved with the Yankees, you know you're going to free agency, whether it's as a player or a manager. You know, we did the same thing with Joe Torrey. And if, you know, there was anyone who wasn't going to be put in that position, it was Joe Torrey.
2: You're right, and and think about most managers. They, They come into situations where it's like a losing team or it's a transition or there's problems. Aaron Boone has every single resource you could ever ask for as a manager, he's got sluggers. He's got an ace. He's got supposedly elite bullpen arms. They have a nice stadium. They have facilities. I mean, they have the highest payroll. Like, to not – to miss the playoffs with everything that you have at your disposal, it's fucking embarrassment. And look at guys like, I don't know, Bob Melvin, or the athletics guy, or, or Kevin Cash. Like, these guys are doing a lot more with a lot less, and you just kind of look around like, you know, what, what is your job here? What are, you, what are you bringing to the table,
1: Aaron? I thought Boone deserved a lot of credit last year for – motivating guys keeping keeping guys focused when the injury bug hit and I don't know if it's just like he's just spewing the same shit and it's not working or what adjustments he made but I mean that's just such a big part of the job is motivating these guys for a 162 game season in this case it's a 60 game season with a lot of distractions so the job's a little different but it's still your job to do. And I just don't think he's doing it. I mean, today, uh, you know, we heard Cashman talk to the team, which you don't hear happening often because they do try to keep that illusion of, you know, uh, you know, Cashman just helps put the team together. He's not <laughs> managing every part of it. When the general manager has to go down and talk to the team, like, you're in fucking trouble. Uh, honestly, it's it's at a point where, I I, I know it's not who he is, but, like, Hal should be down there talking to them.
2: Yeah, he should. And and yesterday I saw a lot on Twitter of people tweeting, you know, if the boss was alive or, you know, old interviews of George. And I'm not a big if the boss was alive guy, but this feels like the one situation that I can think of since he's passed, which was a decade ago, if you can believe that, that there is no way he would be tolerating this. Like, I don't know if he would fix it, but he would definitely be
1: Boom, shit.
2: Right, yeah right, yeah, definitely,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not a big like because it's always like, oh, uh, oh, they put the judge's chambers up the the boss would be rolling over in his grave, it's always shit like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that doesn't really matter, but this is you go one in six against the Rays, the Mets, the Orioles, and the Blue Jays, yeah, he's rolling over in his grave.
2: He is, and you know he'd be at least, he'd be at least talking shit on everybody, and, and it's unacceptable, man. We have the highest payroll. It's hard for me to rip Cashwin because we did go out, and we got the only guy that I wanted. We signed arguably the greatest free agent pitcher of all time. We gave him a record contract. Like It's hard for me to blame Cashwin. That was really all I wanted last offseason, but when you think about, we'll keep going back to the Tyler Wade thing, like, there wasn't any, you know, Hechevarria-type infielders or somebody like that we could have added for depth. I mean, some of these relievers got traded for nothing. And, you know, did we really need to hang on to our 19th best prospect instead of trading for, like, a serviceable sixth-inning guy? That That's where it kind of comes in for me.
1: Yeah, it's... I mean, it stinks. It just, the whole thing stinks, and it's the lack of fight. Like if they were just going out there and they're battling and they're losing games, you know, three to two and they're hard fought battles and they, you know, they're facing good pitching and they just can't get it done. But it's, you know, I think the, the one sixty one guys posted it. Um, like when it's not the pitching, it's the hitting when it's not the hitting, it's the defense. When it's not the defense, it's the relief pitching and something is going to go wrong every day. And, I wonder. I, I tweeted, you know, is this what it's like to be a Met fan? But I feel like the Mets at least know it's just their bullpen's going to blow it. Like we don't know who's going to blow it on any given day.
2: Yeah, of course, and they don't have the same expectations as us. Like that's what makes it worse for me. Like yeah, like I'll keep going back. 2013 sucked. 2014 sucked. But there were, there were no expectations there, and and we came in like my dad said, and everybody thought we were just going to kind of. Waltz to the World Series, and that's why it stinks so much. Like, even last year, if they would have been around 500 with all the injuries, we, we probably could have swallowed it more. But to sign Cole and to come in like we did and just be 500, it's like I'm embarrassed. I, I'm borderline embarrassed to wear my Yankee fitted around and face my friends and, and face people. Like, this is the first time in my life that I've been legitimately embarrassed to be a Yankee fan, probably since 2004.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's tough. I wear a fair amount of like Yankees t-shirts, like Bronx pinstripes t-shirts, and I'm not going out much, but like I'm walking the dog, and I get some looks. You know, it's it's a it's a tough time to be a real Yankee fan that really gives a shit because everything that we were like raised on and everything we pride ourselves on, and my whole thing has always been like I love being a Yankee fan. Because I feel that they are genuinely trying to win me a World Series every year, and I don't feel that this year.
2: No, you're right, and we've had that conversation. Like whatever's like like you said, whatever's going on in my life, whether it's you know, break relationships, puberty, problems in college, family stuff. Like, no matter what's going on, like you said, the Yankees are trying to win a World Series, and it brings you comfort. It's like the one constant thing in life. And you're right, with the deadline doing nothing and with the way they're waltzing around, like, it feels like we want it more than them. And that's a really shitty feeling.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we, and who knows? I mean, maybe this Cashman thing, you know, Lights a fire under them, and we go fifteen and four the rest of the season. Doubtful, maybe twelve and seven, and like that's enough to get us in the playoffs. But if you were to tell us that we're going to play below five hundred for the rest of the year, I wouldn't have much of an argument that that's not going to happen because we've we just show absolutely zero fight every single fucking day, and. Uh, you know, I, it's blasphemous to even, you know, talk like this or even or think like this at all. But, with and that's what kind of stinks about there being like the, you know, seven and eight seed now, is, and six too. Um, what's the point that we just let the young guys go out there and fucking do it? You know, you talk about these high leverage situations, like when do we just say, you know what, Otto, Keep it parked on the in the you know bullpen we're going with Schmidt right now because not because like we know he's this great thing and you know and he's this you know phenomenal player, but we gotta see what we have because we keep saying uh, about all these prospects at a certain point you gotta let the kids fucking play and maybe it is still now maybe it's not that's not waving the white flag that's not giving up it's seeing what we have and seeing if by doing something drastic we can get you know these guys motivated to get something done.
2: It's funny you mention that. Last night when I, when I was sitting here with my dad, and he was like, you know, if we keep falling out of this, what's the point of having Paxton come back for for two starts or whatever? Like, let give Schmidt those starts or give Devi those starts or whatever the case may be. And exactly with the bullpen, especially with Otto, like, let's see what we have. Like, fuck this guy. Let's see what Schmidt can do in high leverage. Let, let's see if Lasagna can be maybe the eighth inning guy moving forward instead of an opener. You know, maybe he can be the New Britain or something. They're going to have a lot of decisions to make, and and everybody's gut reaction is kind of like, oh, we need to blow it up or big changes. But most of these guys are under contract next year, so you're not going to come back and see a bunch of changes and see a much different roster in 2021. For the
1: most part, we have what we have. Yeah, I, you know, there's a certain point where guys go into camp, and it's like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have a battle to see, you know, who's going to get these spots. I don't know, kind of right now, like just let them fucking battle it out now. Because, yes, we do have, like, some of these guys are coming back on contract, but there are a few spots that are going to be open. Let's see if these guys can take those spots, or do we have to go outside the organization? Or is there something that we don't know about where Cashman knows we can't put these guys out there, or it's going to expose the fact that we really don't have that great of a farm system.
2: Right. <laughs> so, like, I remember he was basically scared to call up Justice Sheffield at the end of 2018 because he just didn't think he was that good. And and could that kind of play into it? But they have, you know, we all thought they were going to keep Schmidt down the entire time, to their credit. I mean, it was partly out of desperation, but they did bring him up and, I guess, start that service clock just because they were desperate. But you got you to see what you have. They have tough decisions to make. Britain has a weird opt-out contract ending where it's a two-year option or one-year option. DJ's a free agent, Tanaka and Paxton. So, you know, I, I'm not saying the season's over, but if you look ahead, they got a lot of tough decisions to make.
1: Got a lot of tough decisions in a very weird – it's going to be a weird off season because, like, what are you measuring against? Like, there's a guy, you know, like DJ, who it's like, you know what you're getting, and I don't think that anyone – with a straight face can be like, well, you know, his numbers are inflated or, you know, cause he's flirting with 400 over 60 game season, but it's just like, you know, it's been there his entire career. He shouldn't have ever only been on a two year deal to begin with. Um, it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy, but I don't know. You know, and it, we're not saying that it's, you know, it's already next season, but it's, you know, do we use what we have to get to that postseason and let these guys light a fire under us? Like, you know, like we did with, you know, when Judge came up and, you know, and Sanchez got going, you know, when we got, you know, get to, uh, you know, the playoffs and fight for it, like in 2017. Like Maybe that's the answer, because what we have right now, I don't think some mental switch is going to be flipped.
2: No, you're right. And, and, you know, people might be listening to this saying we're being super negative and and maybe we are, but we're realistic. At the same time, don't get it twisted. If they go six and one over their next seven and we roll into the playoffs as the four or the five seed. I am all in. I am a hundred percent back in. Like all it takes for me to be positive again is like two or three wins in a row. And I'm 100% back on the positivity train, but I don't see any signs of that.
1: I mean, even if we, I, you know, I don't care how we get there, but if we get in by, you know, percentage points, because not everyone's playing a full season to uh, the playoffs, like, I'm there. I'm all in. Like, let's go out there and let's win this thing, whatever it is. Um, and we're still in it. So, I, you know, we're still in that position to be there. But I just – I don't know that the guys that we're currently trotting out there are going to get the job done. So let's spice it up a little bit and maybe give some other guys a chance.
2: I agree completely. And my message to, you know, the rest of our, our fans is is, is this – don't sit here counting on, on reinforcements. Like, Assume this is what we have because DJ's out there, Glaber's out there, Voight's out there, uh, Hicks, Sanchez. Like, Most of our guys are out there. And if you're sitting there counting on uh, Judge and, and Stan and Paxton to come back and save the day, like, like that's just blind faith. This is probably what we have, and it's got to be this group that turns it around. It's not going to be Aaron Judge comes back and all of a sudden they win seven games in a row. That, that's kind of my message.
1: It's not going to be Aaron Judge comes back and plays seven games in a row. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, that was even my thing when, you know, we had Glaber come back and he plays Saturday and it's like, well, he either comes back a day early and plays Saturday or, you know, he plays Sunday, but he doesn't play both. And I get it. He's coming back, but, like, he worked out every day at the alternate site. He's 23 fucking years old. Just go, like, I don't know, just fucking let him play. Just let a young guy who tweaked his hamstring, just go out there and fucking play.
2: And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing we have not invented about yet is these fucking rest days. And and against the Orioles, I think they rested DJ on Saturday night. Like you said, they rested Glaber on Sunday. And I think John Boy tweeted, um, you know, there were certain stats. Like Nelson Cruz, who's like fucking 40 years old, has played every game but one for the Twins. And the Indian guys, uh, Lindor and Jose Ramirez and, and all those guys have, have maybe missed – one or two games, and and you look at where they are in the standings, and especially now we're fighting barely to get in, like no more rest days. You've lost that right. When you're up 10 games and you want to be a tough guy and load manage, fine. But but Aaron Boone, you have lost that privilege, in my opinion, with where we are in the standings.
1: Everyone should just be playing every day. It's all hands on deck. We are, you know, a blink of an eye from not being in the playoffs. We have no choice but to just... Like it's 19 games, balls to the wall because you don't want to be in that eight seed either. Like we have the opportunity. Like layered in this is like we control our own destiny. Just beat the shit out of Blue Jays and you move up in the in the rankings. Beat up the Orioles, you keep them at bay. But I don't know. I you know I just don't know that these guys have that fight in them. From what we've seen, hopefully something changes that.
2: Uh, I, I haven't I haven't seen it either. And, and I feel like me and you were we're optimistic guys by nature. Like all I need to see is one sign, even one big winner or, or a brawler or something to get the juices flowing. And I am I am banging the drum. I'm all in, obviously still all in. But now it's been tough and we're we're looking for a sign. I mean, we got two left with the Blue Jays. And we got four with the Orioles. How do you think the rest of this week shakes out?
1: Well, you know, so just to go back to what you said, it's yeah. like, yeah, I want to be optimistic, um, but, like, I can take physical errors, but not mental errors was the thing, like, Ida Coach had always said, and it made sense. Like, yep. know what you're going to do with the balls hit to you and all, all that stuff so you don't, like, freeze up. I can get behind a team that's losing. I just have a hard time staying behind a team that's not trying. And right yeah. now they fall into... Uh, option B, I mean, with the schedule right now, like it sounds so negative to say, but look, you know, I just got the alert. You know, I got the alert for first pitch. You gotta hope to split these two with the Blue Jays because they're playing hot right now. So if you just get out of there with a the split, refine yourself against the Orioles this weekend, then go and you know get home with the Orioles and take you know, games next week at home against the Blue Jays. Now you get, you can start to get some momentum. Like the way to do it is obviously, you know, if you win these two games, that's great. That, you know, is great momentum, but we're about 500 teams, both of us. So if we split these, we can then start to, you know, be the better team when we play the Blue Jays next Tuesday. And then you can roll that right into beating up on the Red Sox. And then you can stay alive back in Buffalo and finish up against the Marlins. Like, there is a path to being successful, but it's just like these guys have to look deep down within and find that motivation to not give up and not be a quitter. Quote to Marshall Mathers.
2: Now I'm inspired. Uh, You mentioned the the mental mistakes. The frustrating part for me is a lot of the guys making the mental mistakes are the guys who suck. I remember Kyle Higashioka getting doubled off against Philly. Tyler Wade, I think, has gotten doubled off twice. And speaking of Higashioka and Wade, you guys need fucking haircuts. You are not good enough. To, to push the limit, you know, it's like any other job. If you're a marginal, not good performer, you can't be pushing the limits. Garrett Cole, you want to have a little bit of flow? Fine. Tyler Wade, go to a fucking barber and chop off that stupid flow that you have. You're
1: not a lacrosse player. Him and Higgy and half of them, it's pissing me off. No, so I agree with you. I've tweeted about it. I think these guys have just gotten – I think it's a sign of complacency. It I'm is. It's just like, ah, oh, well, you know what? Couldn't get it. You could tell, like, there's a certain – swagger they think they have that they don't because, like, you just – the results aren't there to have that swagger. But, yeah, just tighten it the fuck up. Like, Cashman should have had that meeting and brought a barber in with him. Dude. <laughs> he
2: should have. He should have, and that's like a subtle Boon Girardi thing, right? Like, nobody pushed it with Girardi. I mean, Clint Fraser
1: has a beard right now. Like, if you see him, he has the mask on, like, all game, but occasionally they show him – in the dugout and he's got like his mask lowered or something and like he's full on like it's not five o'clock shadow like he's at least a day later these guys are pushing the fucking limits
2: they are do you think clint is wearing a mask because he doesn't feel like shaving
1: (laughs) no i think he was just trying to like i i do genuinely think he was like if i can go out there and do a positive thing because so much about off the field has just been like What's my hair going to be, or da-da-da-da-da, you know? I think he was trying to show, like, listen, the, whatever it is the government says, wear a mask, let's all wear a mask. It's easy to do and still be productive. Go out there, be productive. And, like, Clint Fraser went from always talking about being training to, like, he's not just the future, he's a part of the now.
2: No, he he is, and, and think about where we'd be without him. We'd probably be fucking, I don't know, 10 games under five hundred. It's like, man, maybe we should have been playing this guy last year instead of Mike fucking Talkman and, and Brett Gardner. Like, my God. Clint needs to play every single day, every single day from here
1: on out. Yeah, I don't understand, like, at this point, why he's not just our starting right fielder. Yeah, You've no, got Hicks, absolutely. him, and then you figure out what you want to do with left field. Maybe sometimes we throw away you know, shit with Gardner. Maybe we're throwing away with Talkman. Either way, we're kind of giving it away either time. No Antuhar in the field anymore. Let him get some DH at-bats until Stanton's back. And then, you know, his time, I think, as a Yankee is pretty much over.
2: Yeah, no, I think it is too. And it's been painful to watch. And you know, the one thing you could always hang your hat on with Guardy is the elite defense. And I've counted at least four or five balls where, you know, last year he makes the play diving or sliding or whatever, and this year it's, it's bouncing off his chest or if it's falling away. And, look, if you're hitting 180 with no power and you're calling card is your speed and defense, you, you have to make those plays.
1: I mean, yeah, it's uh, at the end of the day, he is as old as he is. And if you don't use it, you lose it. I don't think a long offseason benefited him.
2: Yeah, I remember you saying that, and my whole thing was, well, he tends to wear down over 162, so maybe over 60 it'll work. But, yeah, you were right. I was wrong on that. I thought Gardy could be a guy that could maybe even dominate a 60-game stretch because he's historically he's had a lot of great first halves and then fell off a cliff. But, you know, he's, he's 37. I mean, a lot of guys are done at that age. It's not, like, shocking that the guy can't play anymore.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and I think just getting it going – you know, I think his body is probably used to a certain schedule, whatever that has, you know is for the regular off season, and then getting into spring training and getting things you know going. And I don't even remember how he performed in spring training, the original one, but he didn't. You know, he didn't keep it going. Whatever it was, he wasn't able to find that uh, that next gear as he had to come back and just play sixty games
3: yeah he
2: he couldn't um clearly a lot of guys couldn't couldn't find that, <laughs> that
1: yeah idea, right it's fucking it's it's pathetic uh do you feel better now though
2: i do man this has been very helpful in terms of just my mental health you know i was very close so i didn't i haven't told you this yet i during the meltdown during outavino's meltdown i was very close to texting you and being like should we just record tonight like i don't know if i'll be able to sleep tonight if i don't then I ended up just venting with my dad for an hour, so that was fine. But I think it was I, – I did text you last night just complaining. It was around then where I almost considered,
1: like, do I just – do we need to do this a day early? Yeah, I mean, all I had back for you was just, like, we fucking stink. Because, <laughs> like, what else – you know, there's just nothing else to say at that point. We're just not a good baseball team right now. And I don't know – I don't know how to turn around. I think it's – you know – Testicular fortitude at this point is all that's going to turn this around because, like, the the talent exists for the Yankees, but part of that testicular fortitude is Stanton just saying, like, yeah, listen, I, I got to play. Like, I'm good. I got to play. Like, fight to fucking play. And it's Judge saying, oh, I'm 100%, but actually fucking being 100%. Or if you're not 100%, I don't know, just keep your fucking mouth shut and play through it. He's got to. No
2: chance he opts out. We're going to be stuck with him, just like we were stuck with Ellsbury, just kind of like we were stuck with A-Rod at the very end, and, and it's just it's just tough thinking about seven more years of him. But hope, hopefully they find a way to win tonight. I can't even formulate a, a path to that in my head, logically. I'm just going to hope for some hope for some blind faith. I mean, Hap
1: shoved last time. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe he dials it back, but, you know, he's – you got to hope that he realizes he's auditioning to keep his career going because he's not going to hit that vesting option.
2: He's as motivated as he should ever be. And, and look, I, obviously we haven't been very positive. This is not a Sunshine and Rainbows Yankees podcast. If they're playing great, we're going to praise them. If they're playing like shit, we're going to talk about it. So, um, you know, hopefully hopefully it came for that. Hopefully we can we can turn this thing around because this has been a massive disappointment, man. Um, you got anything else? No. Uh, you can
1: follow Nick on Twitter. At NYY. I'll be complaining. Yeah, you can follow me. You should follow Nick. It's a it's a good follow. It's funny. Um, oh, what was it? Oh, Connor Foley, I think his name is, who's a reporter for, like, the <laughs> Scranton Times or some shit. <laughs> I tweeted, and I saw it, you know, when the lineup came out. It was like, this is the first time a going to play in Buffalo since... Whatever date when he needed Tommy John surgery because uh, he got hurt. And I saw the tweet. I was walking my dog. I saw the tweet. and was just like, this motherfucker. Like, that's not what we needed. And then I just see you tweet at him, thanks.
0: <laughs> I, was, the fuck, I was
1: cracking up. Um, yeah, you follow me at JJ from the Bronx. You can follow the show at George's Box Pod. Um, you know, we, we just got to hope this team finds something, gets into the playoffs, gets hot. And then we'll see you at the parade. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season's opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget... Use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your
0: online sportsbook experts.